The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. But Aaron's not with us. He is down in Tampa Bay. The XFL's mini camps have started. He's the quarterback for the Vipers. He's got more important things to do than tape this episode of Punt and Pass. It's a special episode of Punt and Pass. One, it's conference championship weekend. We got a huge breakdown of the SEC championship game coming up. And two, I'm joined by my dad. That's right. Kevin Butler is in the fold. He will be joining me for the entirety of the episode. We're going to talk football, talk this Georgia LSU matchup, talk everything conference championship weekend. And of course, this episode is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is still offering outrageous promos for punt and pass listeners. And like I told you, they have a brand new one for SEC Championship Game Weekend. That's right. All you have to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com and use the promo code PNP. You will still receive a free $25 on the house to get active on Prize Picks. Plus, this is the special, an additional free pick to win another $25. That's crazy. They are literally giving you free money just to sign up and play prize picks. What is prize picks? It's daily fantasy simplified. All you have to do is pick a couple of players in any sport and guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections for the weekend. They'll have a ton of stuff for the SEC championship game, NFL football, NBA, NHL hockey. They have it all. All you have to do is download the Prize Picks app, use the promo code PMP. You get the free $25 when you sign up, and this week you get an additional free pick to win another $25. And how about this? Thursday night. That's right. This Thursday, December 5th, they are having a pre-SEC championship party at Big Sky Buckhead. Free drinks, free food, giveaway raffles. It's from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And again, this is nuts. Every prize picks member who attends receives a free two-pick to win 100 bucks. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they're just giving away money. Use the promo code PNP, download the app, use the promo code PNP, 
and then go to the party. Thursday night, Big Sky Buckhead, free drinks, free food. Every Prize Picks member who attends receives a free two pick to win a hundred bucks. Prize Picks promo code PMP. Follow them at Prize Picks. Follow me at Drew Butler thirteen. Follow my dad at the Real Butthead and follow us at Punt and Pass. Dad, I'll give you an official introduction. You don't need any. You're Drew Butler's dad. But more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, obviously, longtime NFL kicker, Georgia legend, only place kicker in the College Football Hall of Fame, and now you are a broadcaster on the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. You help out on the Thursday night Kirby Smart Show, and then Saturdays you do the pregame with Jeff Dantzler and the postgame call-in show, Bulldog Round – no, not Bulldog Roundtable. What is it called? Bulldog Dog Talk Radio – and then in the mornings, Bulldog Brunch, that's the fun one, Sunday mornings. You do a lot of stuff. It's a big weekend for you. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's awesome to be here with you. And um, I saw your partner on TV last night in a new lime green uniform. Oh, my God. Um, How about those jerseys? Uh, yeah, they uh, they use quite the color color scheme now. So uh won't be hard. To, they won't be playing the Seattle Seahawks at home because you wouldn't be able to tell who the hell is who out there. So, uh, good luck to him, but it's it's good to join you, Drew. I enjoy listening to your podcast, Aaron, and um, it's cool to be here today. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining me on short notice. Everybody would probably understand. We had about a 10-minute Skype phone call to get everything situated on your end. Hopefully the connection's not too bad. Let's talk about the rankings that came out last night, the penultimate college football playoff rankings. I, the committee, to me, loses credibility every single week when they continue to open their mouth. I mean, Rob Mullins gets up there. It seems like he contradicts himself every single week. They pick and place teams however they want to do it. The rankings remain the same heading into conference championship weekend. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, LSU. Number three, Clemson. Georgia's at four. And then five, six, seven, eight is Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, Wisconsin, which sets up fantastic matchups for this weekend. Anything surprising to you? Because I think it's kind of interesting how everybody's just giving the committee Ohio State a pass for ranking them number one. I don't see how LSU couldn't be the number one team. I think the top three, honestly, you could rank anybody number one at this point. But off the resume, LSU should be number one. Well, I think it really you hit it on there when you said any one of these three teams could be the number one team each week. And probably what the committee needs to do is always rotate them and see who's the last person standing when the music stops because you have three undefeated teams. Um, they each have great cases. You know, if you take into strength of schedule, quality wins, I think you can separate those teams on that. Um, I think you could get an order out of that. If you wanted to talk about overall strength of a team um i think you could clearly you know define three teams at that are they going to be the three same no i think that you know as i look towards and looking a little bit more at lsu because of my interest in georgia uh their defense um you know is a little suspect i mean they had a great game last week against a and m but you know some teams have scored on them um, but they just can't keep up with lsu if you look at LSU from an offensive juggernaut, I think they certainly would probably be number one. Uh, you look at Ohio State, I think Ohio State certainly hasn't played uh, the schedule that uh, LSU has, but they look like a complete team. Um, they're doing it uh, in all three ways, and they're doing it consistent. Um, and then you look at Clemson. 
you know, they're the reigning champs and, yeah. you know, they still not lost. Uh, and, you know, in the old days, I think that would get you number one right there. You're number one until somebody knocks you off. But I think any way that you look at it, you could come up with uh, a different top three. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, Clemson was the preseason ranked number one team. They've only won. Yeah, they had that close call against UNC earlier in the season, but they've continued to drop back, settled in at number three. And yes, they are right where they should be. I know Dabo went off in his press conference this week talking about how everybody hates little old Clemson, all this stuff. Clemson is the number three ranked team in the nation right now based on their schedule, which they have no control over. They don't control how bad the ACC is. I still think Clemson's the best team in the nation right now, and they're only going to get better. They have the most experience when it comes to the college football playoff. They've done it before. Their starters will play probably two and a half quarters this weekend when they blow out Virginia, and they'll be well-rested and ready to take on whoever the two-seed is heading into the college football playoff. I also like heading into this weekend, how Georgia is a complete foregone conclusion. You listen to any radio, local or national, and everybody's talking about who's going to be the fourth seed because they're riding off the dog saying LSU's going to walk in, roll their helmets on the field, and win. So then the conversation goes to who becomes the fourth seed. If Georgia does lose, is it Utah? Is it Oklahoma? Could Baylor jump in there if they beat Oklahoma and Oregon beats Utah? I don't know, but everybody talks about how Clemson hasn't played anybody. Utah has played nobody. Oklahoma does not have an impressive win. Utah's played one team in the top 25, and they lost to him. USC, and then Rob Mullins gets on TV last night and makes excuses for Utah. Well, they lost to USC when they were missing their best player, and their quarterback was dinged up. I mean, that's a complete joke. Oklahoma has no impressive win. What's their most impressive win? I guess coming back against Baylor. But beating Texas, not impressive. A one-point win against Iowa State, not impressive. I'd be really interested to see what happens if Baylor beats Oklahoma, Oregon beats Utah, which I think is very possible, and if Georgia does, in fact, lose to LSU. But we all know the top three are staying the same, I think, regardless Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson are in. They're in. Even if Georgia beats LSU, LSU will still make it. So any thoughts on that before we break down these games, Dad? Because it's a really fun weekend of college football. Conference championship weekend clearly has the most implications on the playoffs. Yeah, the one thing that gets me is, you know, what probably is the biggest problem with the committee is they come out and try to explain it. Nobody is going to be able to understand with all the information that these people are taking in behind closed doors, uh, it's just hard to understand their back and forth. Obviously them coming out and saying, Utah, you know, we still think they're great. They're, you know, their quarterback was out, but yet when Alabama's quarterback's out and they lose, they drop seven spots. It just doesn't make sense. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, I would ask Vegas, you know, they need to bring Vegas into this and Vegas will let you know who really is the best team behind closed doors, you know, let them get a little bit because it seems like they have it much better than uh, the committee does. The committee is trying to please so many things. They're trying to please, um, trying to please uh, TV ratings. Yeah. They're trying to please uh, regional. They're trying to please uh, athletic directors. They're trying to make, everybody feel like they're getting a trophy uh, when that's not the reality. If they want to get the four best teams, um, they're doing a pretty good job of it right now. Where they get into trouble 
is when they look at, well, should, should we put somebody else besides four? Because, you know, Georgia right now is certainly uh, a legitimate four. Um, you know, the way they lost, you know, did it look bad? Yeah, but they lost in overtime on a missed field goal. They still should have won that game as sloppy as they played. Now they are, uh, you know, going to be able to prove themselves. But right now the SEC, you know, they, they eat their own. And, and that's exactly what's going to happen this weekend for a second year in a row. Uh, if they didn't have an SEC championship, this would be over. Yeah, Georgia would be in, no matter what. Dead, LSU totally would right. be in. So that's no. um, that's the irony of this whole situation. So uh, the big question is going to be if, if Georgia pulls the upset this weekend and wins. You know, are, are the are the four not going to change? And from everything that I've heard and seen, it doesn't matter if Ohio State loses. It doesn't matter if LSU loses. They're going to be in. So, you know, the only loser of this whole weekend can possibly be is Georgia. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You're 100% right. Ohio State can lose to Wisconsin. They'll still be in. LSU can lose to Georgia. They'll still be in. Clemson couldn't afford to lose, I don't think, even though they're defending national champions, but they're not going to lose. That is such a mismatch. There is no way. Even if they were to turn the ball over as many times as Georgia did against South Carolina, I still think Clemson would be able to pull away from Virginia. That's just too easy of a matchup. The the one thing about this weekend, and we're about to start breaking down these games, that I think is the most important to think about is that Wisconsin and their players, they know they're not going to beat Ohio State. Virginia and their players, they know they're not going to beat Clemson. I really believe Georgia thinks they can beat LSU. I think Georgia knows that they can create the type of game, slow it down, keep their offense off the field, hopefully, and and play the style of football game that could lead them to beat and upset LSU. They know the recipe. They've seen their common opponents. There's certainly a chance there, so we'll break that down in just a bit. I want to get your picks on the other conference championship games and quick thoughts before we talk about George LSU, because obviously we can go into that one for a while. We'll start with the easy one. The ACC championship is at 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. It's on ABC. Number 23, Virginia. Funny how the committee slides them in the top 25 right before they're about to play Clemson. Takes on number three, Clemson. Clemson is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite. That's just insane for a conference championship game. I'm telling you right now, Clemson is peaking at exactly the right time. Their offense is firing. Their defense is so good. I would be really interested to see Clemson have four weeks to prepare for an LSU or an Ohio State offense if they were to match up in the college football playoff. Quick thoughts here. I mean, Clemson's going to roll, right? Yeah, Clemson's going to roll. You know, I just was looking at, you know, it starts at 7.30, coverage starts at 7.30, kickoffs at 7.38, the frigging game's over at 7.39. So, (laughs) you know, make some family plans. Don't worry about watching this game. It's going to be a joke. It's a joke for the sponsors of the ACC. It's a joke for the ACC. And it's a joke for Dabo. I think Dabo, you know, I love him. He, he's great. Love playing golf with him, um, you know, seeing him and all these things. But, you know, he's the man right now. He doesn't have to make up stuff. He just needs to say where and when. Yeah. Put us one, two, three, or four. It doesn't matter. We know what we're going to be when it, this is over in a couple of weeks. We're going to be number one. And um, that's the way you do it. I think that's the mentality that he's trying to get there. But I think he can do it in a different way than what he's doing now. I don't, I don't want to hear him whiny. Yeah. There's no reason for those guys to be whiny. They should be comically laughing at these, these 
light, light insults. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't blame him for trying to control the narrative and him saying, hey, everybody hates Clemson X, Y, Z. I 100% agree with you. He should be looking at it going, last time I checked, we hung 50 on Alabama or almost 50. Hey, we beat the best team ever in college football. We're the only team in modern history that's finished 15-0 and and none of y'all talk about us. We'll go anywhere. We'll play anyone. And most likely, we'll take care of business. I 100% agree with you. I love his jab at Feinbaum, too. Feinbaum gets on get up and he says Dabo's the most annoying winner in sports saying how he complains and complains and complains first off nobody complains more than Feinbaum nobody sits atop his perch quite like Feinbaum but Dabo just absolutely took a dump on him and said I learned at a very young age that you never take advice or you never take the opinion of people you wouldn't seek advice from. So that was perfect. I mean, he told Feinbaum, I literally don't care about you. And that was great. Dad and I, we're on the same side here. Uh, uh, Clemson minus 28 and a half, not even going to be close. What about the noon game on Saturday, the Big 12 championship game? A rematch of a really good game a couple of weeks ago, number seven Baylor against number six Oklahoma. Oklahoma now a nine-point favorite. The total is 63 and a half points. This game's on ABC I don't know. I I think the committee, again, I'm talking about what they continue to get away with. Everybody was talking about the Alabama bias. If Alabama would have beaten Auburn, they would have been the favorite to get the four seed by not having to play in their conference championship weekend. What about the committee's bias towards Oklahoma? Oklahoma is the same product every single year. They don't play anybody in the Big 12. Sure, they've got an explosive offense, and no, they don't have any defense, and it usually comes back to bite them in that first round of the playoff. I I don't know what's going to happen here if Oklahoma does win and Oregon beats Utah, which I think is possible. I think Oklahoma could slide into that four spot yet again. Yeah, I think that uh, Oklahoma is that um, one shining star west of the Mississippi that keeps the United States involved in college football. Yeah. You know, when we get to try to start figuring out the top four, uh, you lose a lot of regions um, and you really just focus on the southeast. Uh, You got a little bit up in the Midwest with um, Ohio State and uh, that's that's golden. But, you know, the, the committee is run by the numbers and and the revenue and that's all tv driven and uh, i don't care that's why they don't let us into that room Um, there is bias and there is decisions that are made that um, make the network network stronger and i'm talking about the network not just tv i'm talking about college football in general they've got to try to keep as many people involved in it as possible and if it becomes a a a southeastern type event um, it can hurt college football, and you can see the damage it's doing uh, to other conferences that have kind of gone by the wayside that we, that I grew up on, knowing that USC and UCLA well, were always going to be involved in somehow, and uh, the Texas teams were always involved in it somehow. Notre Dame was always involved. Ohio State and Michigan were always involved. So, you know, that's getting thinner now. So yeah. this committee is going to try to protect that and um, you know, they, they certainly can't do it in the ACC. They got one team and one team only, you, uh, and they're they're representing college football right now. Do you think Oklahoma wins this game in Jerry World, or will Baylor be able to get some revenge after blowing that twenty five point lead? I think Baylor's going to take them. I just don't think Oklahoma's offense, I mean, yeah. defense, is, is has the ability to you know make those key stops when they have to. I think that's been Oklahoma's problem. That's the problem. Going back to when Baker was there, when Georgia played him a few years ago, uh, you can outscore that team. Um, they have to score every time 
Um, and if you stop them at one time, I think the defenses uh, truly do have a chance to win that game, even though it might be 61-58. Yeah, it really might be. I, I don't know if Baylor's going to win, but nine points is way too much. Give me the nine points. I think it's a close game again. And like you said, you cannot trust Oklahoma's defense. You would lean towards Jalen Hurts and his experience in these types of situations, but I think nine is way too high. Hopefully Baylor wins. I'd love to see the committee get put into a situation where they might have to put Baylor at number four. That, of course, would be the worst-case scenario because I want to see Georgia win. But let's go to the Big Ten championship game. This one, again, I don't think is going to be very competitive at all. 8 p.m. on Fox Saturday night, number one Ohio State against number eight Wisconsin. Ohio State is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 56-and-a-half. Look, they schlacked Wisconsin the first time around. They forced a lot of turnovers. They were able to stop Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin's running back. They put the game into Wisconsin's quarterback, Jack Cohn's hands, and that's what you have to do to really, really make Wisconsin look like a JV football team. Last week, though, Wisconsin was great with the pass game. Got Jonathan Taylor involved in the pass game. That's what it's going to take. Ohio State's got too much talent, though, on both sides of the ball. I think, once again, Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and Chase Young go out there and dominate. Ohio State's going to win this game decisively, and they are primed to probably remain the number one team based on whatever the hell the committee is thinking next week. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right on that one, too. I think 16 and a half, you, you just take the points and, you know, you get take Ohio State and give the points away, and I think you'll be fine. I know that there's some question about how good Fields' knee is this week, and I think maybe, you know, you get up by 21 points in that game and you and you pull him out and try to save him for, for, for just getting hurt. Um, but I think, you know, if anybody has an opportunity – to make a statement, it's Wisconsin. I mean, this is getting old from Wisconsin. You know, yeah, my old boy Larry Wirt. Yeah. Larry Wirt. You know, he's the graduate from Wisconsin, and and he's sick of it too. It, it's almost like where Georgia was stuck a few years back. That every time the big game came, every time you were on national stage, you just you know you just left it in the locker room, and and that's exactly what Wisconsin has done. So. Hopefully, you can see these guys, they're going to be in a good controlled environment. Uh, weather's not going to be a factor. Uh, they're going to get out there, and they're going, to, they're going to lay it on the line. And, you know, they have to get physical. That's the only chance Wisconsin has. And they have the people to do that. But mentally, I just don't think they can do it, Drew. And I, that's why I'd say, you know, give Wisconsin 16 and a half. I think they lose, you know, anywhere from 18 to 26 points. Yeah, I think so too. And they're certainly there. They are. They're a lot like Georgia and especially at their style of football. You get down 21 points. Good luck trying to mount a comeback with that style of offense. So I don't think that's going to be necessarily too exciting of a game on Saturday night, but what I think could be the most exciting game of the weekend takes place on Friday nights, the PAC 12 championship game, 8 p.m. on ABC, number five, Utah, taking on number 13, Oregon. Utah is a six and a half point favorite. The total is 47 and a half. I like Oregon in this game. I think Oregon's going to beat Utah again. Utah hasn't played anybody. I know that they have been on this big eight game win streak and they've been blowing everybody out, but I think Justin Herbert finally has his game as a quarterback that says, I am a legitimate top 10 pick. I know everybody questions Mario Cristobal, 
how he is with his coaching decisions in game. But I think Utah's defense has yet to see a passing attack or a passer like Justin Herbert. I know this is not the same speed, wild, uh, Chip Kelly-style offense, but Oregon is going to win this football game. Give me the six and a half points. I think there's a lot of mayhem headed for the college football playoff committee this upcoming weekend, and it starts with Utah losing on Friday night, and then they won't even have to worry about what happens on Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Oregon's going to come in. I think Hubert is, you know, he's primed for a good game. Uh, Oregon seems to always play at this level of, of championship game. They, they bring it, and, and they show up. And I just think of speed and scoring, and I think that's where um, they're really going to uh, just neutralize Utah. I think Utah is a good, strong team. I compare Utah a lot like um, a Wisconsin team yeah. where they do good things uh, if you let them do theirs. If they get the right the script and everybody plays to it, Utah can come out winning. When I think it gets a little wild and a little wide open, which I think it will, I think Oregon will take advantage of that. I think they will uh, certainly win that game. And I think that's going to put a little bit of, uh, just like you say, uh, this committee on call. I mean, yeah. what do you do on Friday night? You're going to know one of these teams are, are in the mix or totally out. And then who really moves up? And how far does this team fall? Do they fall behind Alabama? Do they fall more than seven spots? I mean, this they're setting themselves up for one last meeting in front of the public uh, that's going to cause a lot of controversy. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's kind of like the white cloud of smoke. I think it was two weeks ago. I said, Aaron, anybody notice that USC was thrown in at number 24 in the college football playoff rankings this week? Why? They've got four losses. They haven't beat anybody. Oh, wait, the only team they have beaten was Utah. So the committee threw USC in there so that Utah's loss looks a little bit more quality as they lost to a top 25 team. I think Utah loses again this weekend, so we're on the same side once again. But that should be an exciting game. I think that's a four-quarter battle that will really be a primer for this weekend's action on conference championship games. But let's talk about the main dish here. It's the SEC championship game. Number four, Georgia, taking on number two, LSU. Of course, everybody knows this game is on CBS at 4 p.m. Saturday afternoon, and LSU is a seven-point favorite. The total is 54-and-a-half, and there are plenty of storylines to discuss with this one. First off, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but... Georgia LSU is the second most common matchup in the SEC championship. Alabama and Florida have played each other nine times. Georgia LSU, this will be their fourth matchup in the first time since 2011, which, of course, I played in alongside Aaron. And we were not that good. I think we were the number 13 ranked team. We had won 10 games in a row. I kicked the ball to my former teammate Tyron Matthew, and then um, the route was on. He housed it for a touchdown. We were backed up in our own end zone, and they were damn good that year. They were the number one team in the nation. Here's the biggest difference that I think going into this year. When we stepped onto that field in 2011, they looked like the Monstars. I mean, you're going, this is an NFL team. These guys are massive, huge differential on the lines, offensive and defensive Their skill players look like creative players out of video games. That's not the case this year. Georgia has the same or better talent. They're better looking. They've got the roster depth to go on the field and say, hey, guys, we're ready for a four-quarter fight. 
A lot of breakdown here, Dad. What are you thinking heading into this matchup? Joe Burrow, LSU's offense. They look like world beaters, but Georgia's defense, they're damn good. And I think if you have a defense, you have a run game, you can play anywhere against anybody and have a chance. Yeah, I, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Georgia born and bred, so you know who I'm going with. But I'm looking at it uh, realistically, and certainly the offense that LSU is bringing in here um, is one of the most productive, if not the most productive in college football this year. Certainly um, in the SEC, they have um, spread their wings and, you know, darn near put up 50 a game. So um, I think that's um, that speaks very highly of them. I think that's where the national consent that Georgia should try to hang on. Um, Georgia will be a winner if they just show up. Uh, that's how they get a little mental win because they're going to get physically whipped by LSU. I just know it's a different story. Um, you know, Georgia, the best thing about this team, Drew, is I could tell you that they don't mind getting into a fight yeah. and they don't mind getting their ass kicked. Uh, if they get their ass kicked, um, it's going to be because they were in a good fight and they got beat. Uh, they don't make excuses. They've been in this situation before. They've been in this situation before um, with the predictions of going down and getting kicked by LSU, which they had done recently. Um, they know what it's like to go to the SEC championship. They know what it's like to put it all on the line for one game, and and they believe in themselves. So, uh, look, because the people nationally don't understand uh, the SEC. Um, it's going to be a fought game. This team is going to go four quarters, um, and, you know, it's going to be – one in the trenches, just like every other game. We've got a quarterback that is good when his offensive line uh, protects him. Uh, Burroughs can throw to anybody if his offensive line protects him. If his receivers get wide open like they were last week, they're going to score touchdowns. Um, this is nothing that needs to be redefined in how to beat this team. Georgia needs to go out there and do exactly what they do good. Their defense is damn good. Yeah. Their defense statistically um, I look for it. I'm around this group every week. Um, I, I look at these stats before and after game, and they just keep getting better. And, you know, you go, well, it's going to be that game where somebody goes and lights them up for 50. Well, you know, if that happens, much like the Auburn-Alabama game happened, um, I'll, my mouth will be as wide open as anybody. I don't see that happening. I see this really coming down to one of those crazy games that we've seen uh, LSU and Alabama, you know, the 10 to six, the six to three, the, the, just everything, you know, happening in between the twenties, but the price of uh, going to the dance goes up when you get inside the 20, Georgia is a great defense on a shorter field. The red zone, there's no so, question. And, you know, we're faster, we're quicker. We throw things at you faster. Um, you know, if they move in between the twenties, that's fine. I, I'll take us in a kicking game. Yeah. I, I've got confidence in, and us, and I think our specialty team plays into that. But, you know, we got to limit the uh, big plays by them. Um, and if our defense does that, I think you're going to see people come out on offense that you've never seen um, highlight it like they have. I think James Cook will take a bigger role. I think Kenny McIntosh will be out there playing more. Get these guys involved. Get LSU off balance of who they're expecting to play. Show people that they're not playing, and then show that these people can make plays if Georgia does that early, that will open up the offense. If Georgia tries to do the between the guards and we're going to pound you out, um, I think you're going to see some threes and out. And I think that's where LSU comes out and they're going to start throwing bombs. They're going to start going for the punches 
um, big and strong. I think we need to make them think a little bit more about their game plan, how they're going to utilize the clock, and not make them think they can go out there and every three plays go for a touchdown. That's something that uh, uh, is not good formula for any defense. Yeah, I mean, usually in a football game, each offense will get 10 to 12 possessions. Can Georgia hold LSU under 30 points? That's got to be the bar that they set. If they can hold them under 30 points, they're (coughs) going to have a good chance. The next biggest question is, can Georgia score more than 24 points? Obviously, their offense has had their struggles. Jake Fromm has not looked great over the past four weeks. What gives me reason to believe is that some of Jake's best games as a Georgia Bulldog have been in the SEC championship game against Auburn in 2017. Last year against Alabama in 2018, he looked like an NFL quarterback in the first three quarters. So what's going to happen? Who knows? But I do know one thing. LSU is not stupid. They know that Georgia does not have Lawrence Cager. They know that Georgia will be without George Pickens in the first half. What are they going to do? They're going to load the box. They're going to dare Georgia to run the football. They know that they have what it takes in the trenches and at the second level to stop Georgia from moving the chains and controlling the clock. So can Jake Fromm? Can James Coley, can this offense dial up something to move the chains through the air? It's going to take something special. But if I could bet on one thing heading into this game, I want to bet on the over of how many times George Pickens is shown on the sideline during the first half. It's going to be the biggest (laughs) talking point. All they're going to talk about is that they don't have any wide receivers. What can Georgia do? How are they going to create some offensive explosion to put points on the board? It's a great matchup. I mean, look, LSU's got the number two scoring offense in the nation. Georgia's got the number two scoring defense in the nation. It's strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. When I talk about Georgia's offense being their weakness and LSU's defense being their weakness. Okay, look. Am I a homer? I mean, yes, in my heart, I'm a homer. Who am I picking to win this game? I think Georgia has a legitimate chance. And if that makes me a homer, then I'll point to any other Georgia member in the media, most specifically a guy like David Pollock. We had David on the podcast two years ago. Georgia was going to play Florida during their national championship run, and he's on there going, I think Florida's going to win the game. And Georgia beat their ass by like 40 points. So I don't know how you figure out who's right, who's wrong, who's a homer, who's not. But I know this. The value pick this weekend is Georgia with seven points. They are extremely undervalued. It's a heavily contrarian bet. The public is going to be all over the LSU Tigers. I think you take the under 55 points, and I think you take Georgia plus seven. I think Georgia's got a great chance to sneak away with this football game because, one, their defense, two, their run game, and three, Rodrigo Blankenship, if he can avenge that missed field goal in the SEC championship game last year. I wonder if he'll be thinking about it, Dad. Um, There will be a point in the game where Georgia will have to make a 45-yard field goal to extend their lead by four or extend their lead by ten, which will be the turning point if they want to win this football game. Yeah, I think the kicking game is going to play a huge, huge difference in this game. I think not only Rodrigo, but I think um, when you talk about the punting game, uh, I think Jake is really going to play a big factor in this. You knew how big it played in the last time these two teams met in the championship back in 11. Um, you can flip, uh, you know, the the whole feel of a game on a on a great punt or or even more a great punt return. So 
Um, the kicking game is going to be so important. And yeah, I think Rodrigo um, is going to play a huge part. I hope he's focused on um, on the game and not uh, accolades or or not worrying about what he's going to make or get or if he's going to be the Lou Groza Award winner. I really would like him to focus on just kicking and being a thousand percent in this game because that's the best way he can help Georgia and all their fans uh, accomplish what they want to accomplish. Yeah, you know, if you want to call me a homer, I, I agree with you, Drew. I, I'd take seven points. You're giving me that right now, and I don't think it's going to be more than 55 points. Um, I don't think that this team's going to go out there and LSU is going to put 30 on them. I just don't. I think that this team, you know, can can win the game by keeping them around the 21. I, I see this as a 23-21, you know, 22-19. I just think it's going to be field goals from both teams are going to be uh, at a premium. Um, and if Georgia's offense is our weakness, um, that right there answers my question because I've seen LSU's defense. Um, it is not half the defense uh, that Georgia's defense is. Uh, they have great athletes. Um, but we're going to see what uh, that offensive line's made of, what Coach Sam Pittman, um, what he's coaching, um, because those guys on offensive line, they are the key to our success. You can talk about Joe Burrows. You can talk about our defense. It comes down just like it did when we beat Auburn in the SEC championship. Yep. It comes down to our offensive line whipping their defensive line and Georgia being able to do what we want to do. Because if we can do that, LSU and Joe Burroughs will not even be on the field long enough to have success that they've had against everybody else. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to control the game. They know the game plan. And like I said earlier, during practice this week, Georgia knows they can beat this football team. They know how bad they played last year in Baton Rouge, but they also know that they've got more experience in this specific situation than LSU does paired with the talent on defense to hopefully slow down that LSU offense. So I don't know. I, I like a 27-24 uh, game or 30-27 to 27 Georgia if they're going to win. And if they lose, it could get ugly. It could get ugly because if LSU gets out there early and puts points on the board and Georgia's offense has to chase – that's where that 55 number could really come into play when Vegas says that's the total. Because Vegas is telling you right now, LSU's a touchdown better than Georgia. Some would say, we'll see if the line falls before Saturday. But that total at 55, I think it goes over if LSU blows out Georgia, which is a slighter chance, I think, than this being a close game in the 20s, which is what I would lean to. It's going to be a lot of fun. If Georgia wins, here's what's going to happen. LSU will drop to four. Georgia will move up to two. Clem or Clemson probably move up to two, right? Georgia would be three. So you would have a Fiesta Bowl semifinal game, Ohio State against LSU, because Ohio State would want to go to Arizona to avoid LSU fans taking over Atlanta. And you'd have Georgia versus Clemson in the Peach Bowl, which would be awesome um, for a semifinal game. So go dogs. I think it's going to be a fantastic game, and I think Georgia has a real chance to win they just it had to play perfect. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think Vegas, you know, when Vegas came out, they had it at four. Uh, the yeah, betters exactly. made it jump up seven and a half, and then it came down to seven. So think about uh, Vegas saying 55 points, and then they're saying four. So you are looking around that, you know, 25 to uh, 29 score, something like that. 
I think it's going to be a little lower than that. So I'm going with the under 55. I really think it's, it could be something of a, of a 26 to 19 oh, yeah. uh, or 26, 23, something in that area. And um, I'm certainly I'm, I'm going with Georgia on that end. I think that Georgia, you know, you, you got to remember Florida led at halftime. Uh, Auburn led at halftime. And I like our defense in the second half. Against and our LSU, yes. Against LSU. Yeah. Um, LSU didn't come out, though they wanted to. They wanted to come out and throw bombs and get ahead of uh, Auburn, get ahead of Florida, and it didn't happen. Uh, they can't be as aggressive with better teams as they're aggressive with the, the weaker teams. And uh, that's what they like to do. That's what they highlight. Georgia goes out against the same teams, no matter who they are, and wants to do that same, let's going to grind it, beat them up, score, win the game, move on. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting game. I mean, Georgia, you know, if they bring that same offense, they're going to uh, uh, put some flash in it. Um, I think that'll be enough. Uh, I think our defense gets stronger as the game goes on. And certainly the teams we play get stronger as the game goes on. But, um, you know, that crowd's going to be about, I'd say, 68 to 32 University of Georgia fans. Yeah. And uh, that plays a big part with this team. They respond to it, and hopefully they will Saturday. Yeah, Georgia plays best, especially in the Kirby Smart era when their backs are up against the wall. And I think they respond really well in that situation. And here is a great opportunity for the Georgia football team to have their own fans just chill the hell out. Hey, guys, we got it. We're 11-1, and one, yet everybody seems miserable. Let's beat the number two team in the nation and celebrate just a little bit. I'm sure Georgia fans will be able to find plenty to complain about, even though an SEC championship and a college football playoff berth lies in waiting. So, going to be fun. Thanks for tuning in, and if you want to make it even more fun, Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PMP Special SEC Championship Game Week offer. Yes, if you use the promo code, you get a free $25 on the house to get active on Prize Picks. But this week only, they're going to throw in an additional free pick to win another $25. Prize Picks is daily fantasy simplified. All you have to do is pick a few players. In any sport, you can cross the sports up if you want and guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections. And then Thursday, December the 5th, they're having a pre-SEC championship party at Big Sky Buckhead if you're in the Atlanta area. Free drinks, free food, giveaway raffles from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And if you're a Prize Picks member and you attend, they're giving you a free two-pick to win 100 that's 150 bucks if my math adds up. Follow them at Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. Go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP. Dad, thanks so much for joining on this special edition of Punt and Pass. Follow Dad at The Real Butthead. I am at Drew Butler13. We are at Punt and Pass. Anything on the way out, sir? I know, man. I enjoy listening to it. If you want to hear a little bit more from the older yes. guys, check, check us out on Foot and Mouth yes. Podcast. Uh, uh, me and Jeff Danzer will bring you a little bit more inside Georgia stuff, bring you a little bit more raw material from yeah. the University of Georgia. But it's always fun to to be with you. And I'm finally, now I can rest in peace. I've made it as a guest on your show. Yeah, you know, I always used to say I had two things that my dad never had, the Ray Guy Award and a college degree. But dad got his college degree, so I've only got one thing left. But yes, I forgot to plug your podcast, Foot and Mouth with Jeff Danzer. It is a blast, a lot of pop culture a lot of fun stories. They've got great guests. Download it wherever you listen to your podcast, the Foot and Mouth Podcast. So, 
Dad, appreciate it. I'm sure I'll be seeing you later on this week. We'll have fun at the game on Saturday. And to everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you on Monday. See you.